So we have been in the series, Walking by the Spirit. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah? Growing, learning? Uh, it's, it's been really fun to preach, but also to, to get to listen. And I'll just give you a little reminder. The first Sunday of the series, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because really, if you're going to talk about walking by the Spirit, you need to talk about that. And it was kind of a repentance message, if you will, because I hadn't given adequate weight to uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit as talked about in the New Testament. So if you're, if you're curious as to what I said or what that looks like, I would encourage you to go to our podcast on any podcast app, search Real Church Clearwater, and you'll find it, Walking by the Spirit, Baptism by the Spirit. Um, but we, we learned it's just very important. Week two, we had that couple from a closed country that I can't even say its name because we're online, and they shared testimony and taught on what it really looks like to walk by the Spirit day in and day out in your normal daily life, and it was powerful. Did you guys enjoy that? I was reminded that I forgot to tell you what happened. You know, we... we took up an offering, you know, we, we did tithes and offerings, which I forgot to do today, by the way, so we'll do it afterwards if, you know, um, the communion and tithes and offerings, but we took up tithes and offerings earlier, but then God put in our heart to give over and above, and just to give you guys the opportunity to sow into them, and what they're doing in that country, because God's moving miraculously, and man, it's a joy to be a pastor of a generous church. You guys are a radically generous church. I wrote a check from what you guys gave for $8,913. One announcement, one day, ask you guys to pray about it, do what God put on your heart, and $8,913, they said, to their knowledge, it's the most, uh, most given to their organization by a one-time love offering like that. And we're a little bitty baby church plant. What a big God. For God loves the world so much that he gave. And when we get the picture of that and what it looks like in our heart, we have generous hearts too. And you guys got it. And it's fun to be your pastor. Just is. I mean, you know how fun it was to write that check and they're like, oh my gosh. Wow. You know. Oh, man, it's just good. I wish you guys could have saw it. And then last week, we had Sandy come and preach, and she, it was powerful and amazing. It was, it was different in the best of ways, and just super thankful for Sandy. I, I need to stay behind the black line so the lights can get my eyes, so the people watching online don't see the dark shadows. That, that was supposed to laugh at that. Anyway. Um, so that was awesome, but she made a statement. You know, I wrote out the message that I was going to preach today. Thursday, and I was, that's how I usually do it, and I was just reminded Friday of the statement she made, and I realized the Lord wanted me to teach on this for a little bit, so I'm going to teach on this for a little bit. She said, how many dead men do we have in here? And I, I was the only one that rose my, rose my hand, or had risen my hand, raised my hand, uh, when she said that. 
And I know that some of you probably were just slow to the gun and you knew what it was, but maybe many of you didn't. So I need to teach on that, and it's very important. Why I raised my hand when she said, how many dead men do we have in here? It's vital, actually. Galatians chapter 5. And I don't think there are going to be many scriptures up here because I'm going to bounce around quite a bit. Take notes, pull out your Bibles, pull out your, your Bible app on your phone. Verse, well, I want to say a statement that it says in verse 11, the end of verse 11. It says, in, the case, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. The point is that the cross is offensive. So what I'm, what I'm going to tell you today may be offensive to your flesh or the way that you always thought. But that's okay because that's the only way we grow and understand who we are in him more and more. Verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I see three entities in those little sentences. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are fighting so that you do not do what you want meaning you are not your flesh. And the desires of the flesh that you have, which we'll talk about what those are, if you've been born again, they are not you. Just because you have a feeling come up in you or a thought come to you doesn't mean that that defines who you are. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna make a statement. You cannot, hold on, I'll wait on that one. In the first message of the series, I said these words. I said, the cross was the price and, the pen, and Pentecost was the prize. And that's true. The cross was the price. Jesus died on the cross, which was awesome, so that we could be washed clean and made new and be made a temple and a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to be in us, to seal us, and to baptize us in his presence so we could walk in his power and victory and win the world to Christ. Pentecost was the prize. Conversion is just the beginning. Conversion is not like all the Christians are like, hey, hey, you know, we just get saved and we're, we're good. No, that's the beginning. God doesn't want you to stay a baby forever. You're saved to something and for something so that you can grow up and be mature in Christ Jesus, filled with the very spirit that anointed Jesus Christ as he walked the earth and reproducing his life to the world around you. The cross was the price, Pentecost the prize, but I'll also say it like this. You can't get to Pentecost except but by the cross. You can't experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit without understanding what happened 
and walking out and believing, I'll say believing, how about that? Because you can believe before you really understand, without believing what happened at the cross. Now I'll say the other statement. You can't follow and live a life following the Holy Spirit without being a dead man. Romans 6. Walking by the Spirit requires you being crucified on the cross. Jesus said, before we get into Romans 6, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must first, do you remember? Deny and follow me. That's being born again. You must, if you want to be my disciple, you must first deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's the beginning. When you say, and I already said it in worship, when you say you're confessing him as Lord with your mouth, it's because you've believed in your heart that he died and rose again. You're confessing him as Lord. You're saying, not my will be done anymore, but yours, Lord. I'm submitting. I'm coming under submission to your lordship. Submission means I'm under your mission. No longer my mission in any area of my life, but I'm submitting to you. I'm under your mission, God, and your mission is to make disciples of all nations, even at the cost of my life, even at the cost of myself. And following you is more important than me because I wasn't created to walk after what I want, what I feel, and what I think. I was actually created to go after what you say over those things. And it's a beautiful um, um, communion that we were created to walk in, and there's more freedom there. I'm going to get to that Romans 6 passage, I promise. Or I should probably say, Lord willing. John 3.34 says that the Father gives the Spirit without limit. Without limit gives the Spirit. And then is it Corinthians 3.17 maybe? 2 Corinthians 3, 17, so it says where the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. To the extent that you submit to the leading of the spirit, that's the extent you have freedom in your life. And there's no limit on the freedom God wants you to experience. Yeah. John 3.34, God gives his spirit without limit. There's no limit, none. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and, and there's two requirements to walk in that freedom. See, the spirit of the Lord is also the spirit of truth. You can't have truth without the Holy Spirit. 
You can't, you, you might can have a mental assent to truth, but you can't have that truth become your very life without the spirit of truth making it so in you. And the Bible says you, you must remain in the truth. Then the truth will set you free. So the Holy Spirit communicates truth to you. You receive it and you believe it, but then you stand in it by faith, even when the enemy brings circumstances and feelings around you that say it's not true. I'm standing in what you said by faith until it becomes my reality. And when it becomes my reality, now I know it and you can't take it from me. So I'm going to walk in that truth. But then the other aspect of it is submitting to his truth. It's knowing and believing, allowing what he reveals through scripture, through other believers, showing what God has revealed through scripture, allowing that to become a part of you and saying, yes, Lord, I believe. But then the other part is submission, coming under the mission of that truth, saying, yes, Lord, with the actions of my life. You are as free as you want to be. You are as free as you want to be. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if you've been born again, He's placed His Spirit in you and is constantly trying to communicate all of the truth to you that you are ready for so you can stand in it and so you can submit to it and walk it out. And to the level that you submit to the leading of the Spirit, that is the level that you're experiencing freedom in your life. So any area that you're not experiencing freedom is probably an area where you're either in unbelief or an area where you're in rebellion and need to simply say, I believe that you love me in this area. And what you told me that I've not been doing, I'm going to go back and do. Even at the cost of other people's opinion of me, even at the cost of my job, even at the cost of my livelihood, I'm going to trust you. That's what we did when we picked up our family and moved to Florida from Louisiana. It's just called living by the Spirit. Sometimes it just doesn't look logical. But when you really believe God loves you and you trust Him, you're willing to follow Him at the cost of logic because you know His voice and you know what He's saying because you've spent time being in his presence. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, who by constant use. And if you don't mind, I, I don't think I want any of the scriptures up just so that they can really focus in today. Look it up, write it down, and go back and learn it. So there's no, just no possible distraction. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You want to grow into maturity, it's constantly putting into practice how he's leading you. And by doing that, you're having your senses trained to distinguish what is good. Now watch, the Bible also says there's nothing good but God. All things good come from God. 
So you're being trained to distinguish what's from God and what's not from God. If it's not from God, maybe it's from yourself. And if it's from yourself and it's not from God, it's evil. So you're being trained to distinguish what's from God and what's from you. Or what's from God or what's from, sorry, not you, but flesh. What's from the flesh. And what's from God and what's from the enemy. Trying to make you think it's from you. And so sometimes, because you're walking by the Spirit and learning to hear His voice and testing what is from Him by knowing the Word, sometimes you'll step out and do something and the Holy Spirit will go, hey, that wasn't me. Well, and praise the Lord because we're forgiven. We don't be like, oh, I'm sorry, I just messed up. I'm so bad. I'm just going to run back here and never do that again. No. We say, praise the Lord. Thank you for telling me. Man, how can, I, how can I move better in this situation, in this circumstance, in relationship with you so that I can distinguish even in conversations like this what was from me and what is from you because I want to submit what's from me to you in every area of my life. Amen? Come on, that's good. That's Jesus. So, hmm, where to go from here? We're, we're coming back to that. I got to go to. <laughs> Touche. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus is baptized. And as he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit falls on him like a dove, is what it says. And the Father said to the Son, This is my Son, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. Then the very next verse, Matthew 4 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There's a principle here that I want you to understand in being led by the Spirit. Jesus understood from the Father that he was loved and the Father was pleased with him before Jesus performed any miracles, before he cast out any demons, before he did the very thing that he was commissioned to do, which was down a cross and rise again. Jesus heard from the Father that the Father was pleased with him and that he loved him, and then Jesus went and did those things. Your doing comes from the receiving of his love and his pleasure in you because of who you are, not because of what you've done or haven't done. Does that make sense? Like, little river there, seven months old. She ain't done nothing except poop, eat, cry, sleep, and just be cute. (laughs) Fat and happy. And I'm pleased with her. She doesn't have to do her purpose for me to be pleased with her. I'm pleased with her because she's mine. And so many Christians live their life as if they got to do more in order for him to be pleased with him instead of living from the fact that he's pleased with me because of my identity as his son, because Jesus made me new and adopted me. Therefore, all that is, is, all that is in Christ is in me. And so when God sees me, he sees that and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and with you, I am well pleased. I love you. Wrestle with that until you really believe it. Because then 
Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And if you're not secure and that the Father's pleased with you and that uh, he really loves you, when the Holy Spirit, which leads us in the will of the Father, when the Holy Spirit begins to lead us into a wilderness, we're going to doubt God's love for us and his pleasure with us, and we won't follow because we won't trust. You, you only trust what you believe loves you, what believes in your best interest. So you have to, in order, un, in order to be led by the Spirit, first you have to understand your Father's love for you. It's just vital. And then let's use that dove analogy too if we're talking about walking by the Spirit. What does it look like practically to walk by the Spirit? Let's imagine that you have a dove on your shoulder. Sitting right there. You see him? See the dove? It's a cute dove, isn't he? If, if I want to keep that dove on my shoulder as I'm walking in this room, do I just go on about my business, not worry about the dove? Dove probably ain't going to stay, huh? Because I was paying no attention to the dove and just doing me. If I really want to keep the dove on my shoulder, then every step I take, I'm going to be cognizant. I'm going to be looking. Every step I'm, I take I'm gonna be, is going to be in response to the movements of the dove. Everyone. That's what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. See, we're, we're, we're supposed to pattern our relationship with the Father like Jesus. And Jesus said, I do nothing without seeing my Father do it. I only say what I hear my Father say. He was living a life in submission to the Holy Spirit by the will of the Father. Guess how we're supposed to live? A life in submission to the Holy Spirit by the will of the Father. Every step cognizant of the movement of the dove. Who's the dove? Holy Spirit. Amen? Real practically, what does that look like? I'm reminded of... of Two scriptures when it's talking about following the Holy Spirit. One, it says, do not grieve the Spirit, and the other says, do not quench the Spirit. You've heard those scriptures before, maybe? If not, I'll show you in scripture. You can pull these up. Uh, This is Ephesians 4.30. I think it's towards the end there, Sarah. Ephesians 4.30. If you got it, great. If not, no worries. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does it look like to grieve the Holy Spirit? Grieving the Holy Spirit is doing something negative. Yeah, it's, it's doing some kind of sin thing. Like look at the context around it. 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. I mean, but, but so grieving the Holy Spirit is to cause, when you grieve someone, you cause them grief. You're, you're bringing deep sorrow and pain. One of the definitions is even annoyance. I don't want to annoy the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> um, so why does it grieve him when we sin or when we make a mistake or, or say? It grieves him because it's not, 
who he is. He's residing. We've been washed clean and, and we've been made new. And so when we sin or we, we do something dumb like that, it, it's, it's walking out from ourselves something that's not in line with the nature and character of God. And so it's just not good. But also it'll stress you out if you continue to do that. If you're living outside of who you are, you will be conflicted and your conscience will be messed up. When your conscience is messed up, you are hesitant to go to the Father, to worship Him. You're even hesitant to go to church or with other believers that are walking with Him because you have an unclear conscience. That doesn't mean you're not clean. It means your conscience isn't clean. And in Hebrews it says when you have an unclear conscience, you just go back and you remember you, you're, you let your conscience be cleared by the blood. You remember that, man, he paid the price for all your sin, so you remind yourself of what God has done so that you can walk confidently, get back up, and walk with a clear conscience and not grieve the Holy Spirit in the same way. So when I, I'll give you like just a, I don't know, example of what could happen or what has happened a lot for me. Um, oh, I'll, this morning. I get done in the office, like wondering, all right, God, what are you going to say today? Because I, I, you usually tell me to write this thing out, and it's not written out. Lord Jesus. So I get done with all that. And I walk in, and I see three plates with five French toast sticks on them each for my six-year-old, my seven-year-old, and my ten-year-old. And it's just way too much. And so... Instead of being kind and gentle in my correction, I was unkind and ungentle. I correctly corrected them, but it was correction from the flesh. I allowed the way that I shouldn't have fathered to come out. I listened to that the flesh that was at war with the spirit and submitted to it. Make sense? So when I did that, in my mind... As I'm listening and they're explaining what happened and stuff, I'm thinking, man, I really shouldn't have said those things. And really the Holy Spirit was kind of like, hey, that's not who you are. I felt a lack of peace here because I fathered from a place that wasn't the place he fathers from. So when you feel a lack of peace, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If you did something wrong, what do you do? You go back to where you, that lack of peace started and you repent. You change your mindset. So that looked like me humbling myself to my son, saying, hey, son, doing what I should have did in the first place, asking him why did he do that. And the reason he did that, the reason he fixed so many was because the direction said to do that. And he's a rule follower. So not only did I grieve the Holy Spirit, but I was too hard on my son. So then I had to humble myself and not just repent here so that I learned to listen first, but I also had to repent to my son. Say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have got so frustrated at you and I should have asked questions first. Do you forgive me? That's what it looks like in my life. Man, every day, sometimes not every day, praise the Lord, <laughs> but a lot of days, <laughs> The Holy Spirit is fathering me in ways that I negatively mess up. 
And he's not saying, you filthy, rotten sinner. That's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm clean. He's saying, that's not who you are. Why would you do that? And I'm supposed to respond in humility and repent, change my mindset for whatever that came from, and follow him forward. Amen? Amen. The other part is do not quench the Holy Spirit. That is in, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, yeah, 19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit. Capital S is Holy Spirit. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. You know, quenching is like a fire extinguisher. You're extinguishing a fire. Quenching is preventing the Holy Spirit from doing the good he wants to do in you and through you. Grieving the Holy Spirit is you doing negative. Quenching the Holy Spirit is preventing him from doing the positive. Baptism of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit and fire. I don't want to quench his fire in any way. So a lot of people will treat prophecies with contempt. It's in direct opposition to this and it's part of what it looks like to quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to work in the gifts and, and abilities of powerful supernatural stuff in your life. And just because you're uncomfortable with it doesn't give you the right to quench it. Don't. Learn from it. Grow in it. If it's in line with the scripture, submit. Come under his mission in the way that he wants to walk in power in every aspect of, of this thing. But it's not just that. It's not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and by the way, I had a call from Olivier who prophesied over my life yesterday. I had another call from, from Sandy who prophesied over our church today. And you know what I did? I listened and I honored them. I test them by scripture. If it's not in line with the principles of God's word, if it's not confirming what he's already said or there's not a piece there, hey, you know, but I don't treat it with contempt. Contempt is not saying this is worthless. It doesn't matter for my life. I don't want to do that with anything that is biblical. Amen? But it's not just the gifts. Right before it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit, it says, rejoice always. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. When you recognize that he's with you in the midst of the circumstance, you can rejoice always. And to quench joy just because there's no joy in the circumstance is to quench the Holy Spirit. Oh, me? Don't quench joy anymore. Rejoice! God's good. He loves you. We can be light and fluffy no matter how heavy the situation is. Pray continually. That's so you can listen and hear him and walk with him. And then give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. I've already said that earlier in worship, but I just want to rehash it. Give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not giving thanks for the circumstance. I'm giving thanks in the circumstance. And I can only do that if I recognize that his spirit is with me in the midst of it. So I can thank him because I see him there. And so I can walk with him no matter what I'm going through and know that if he's in the circumstance with me, he's going to work it out for good for me because that's what his word says. Amen? All right, so let me tell you what Romans 6 says and we'll get to it next week. 
<sighs> and I'll just, I'll say it and, I'll, I'll, and hopefully it'll cause you to go and read it to see if it's true and seek after and maybe the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Romans 6 says, Christ was crucified. In the very same paragraph, it says, you were crucified with Christ. That's not just some mental ascent thing. That's truth. It actually happened. You were in him. So when Christ was crucified, you were crucified. And it's just as true when you were crucified, Christ was crucified. So you have been made dead to sin and dead to your flesh. What does it mean to be dead to something? It means, Romans 6, 7, I think, or 6, 14, one of them, you're set free from it. So the Bible actually says because you have died with Christ, you have been set free from sin. Never again say you're not. Don't let your religious box ever again say you're not set free from sin because scripture says that you are because you died with Christ. And to say the opposite is to prevent yourself from being led by the Spirit because you can't follow the flesh and think you're still a sinner and think you're still not set free from sin and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. To follow one is to reject and war against the other. And I'll just, I'll leave it with this question. Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sin 2,000 years ago? Do you? How do you know? You just know. You weren't there. You didn't see it. You just know it. Because his word says. You realize the same scripture, the same passage that says that Jesus died 2,000 years ago on a cross is the same one that says you did too? Do you believe the whole word? Do you believe that you were crucified with him? How do you know? Well, I just, I feel that I'm, my sin is very much still alive. That's great. You can feel that. But are your feelings true or is his word? And if his word is true, I'm going to believe him until I get better and better at looking like Jesus in my daily life because I realize because I'm dead to sin, I'm free from it. Sin is still very much alive, but I don't have to choose it anymore because I've been set free. I have the capacity now to follow the leading of the Spirit in every aspect of my life. And when I mess up and fail, man, it's okay because he's already washed me clean. I can get back up and keep walking with the Spirit. Okay, I'm done. I, would encourage, I wanted to unpack that more. Go read Romans 6. Read Romans 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. <laughs> Pray, and, uh, and God will show you. Thank you for tuning in today to the Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church Clearwater. God bless you, and the best is yet to come.